All right, you ready for today? Okay, so last week we talked about some things Jesus didn't say. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it's almost like the whole world loves Jesus. Have you noticed? Because they add him into things, and they reference him, and they talk about him, and it's kind of like, remember when you had that friend in school, and everybody started being friends with him, you're like, wait a minute, he's my friend. Nobody did that but me. No, I'm kidding. I probably didn't even do that. I like, I want everybody to be my friend. But, but here's the thing. They like Jesus, but they don't really know what he said. And they like things about Jesus or things they've heard he said, but maybe they were taken a little bit out of context or twisted a little bit. So this is a real life conversation I had a while back with somebody and they were struggling with, with faith. And here's why we're doing this here in church. Because this person had been in church. Not necessarily this church, but they've been in church. And here's the other reason we're doing it. You know people who think these things. And it really is, it's, it can be strange. Like you, you're talking to somebody and they say something like, uh, 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 that's not quite right. But a lot of times in conversation can be awkward, right? Because you're trying to figure out like, uh, wait a minute, right? Is, is it just me? everybody's kind of sitting there like, I I want you to feel like you're with me on this because we have people who need to know what Jesus really said because it really, really matters that we get this right. I think I might have told this story before, so I apologize, but it's a dumb story, but it really happened. I was a youth pastor, and my office was literally a closet, and... um, the, a friend of mine, another pastor and staff walked by and he was talking and he said, I don't remember what he was saying. I have no idea what he was talking about. But he said, in the conversation, he said plethora. And I couldn't help myself. I try not to be that guy. And I said, plethora. And he's like, and he just looked at me and he's like, Ugh, and he walked off. And I thought, oh, geez. So a few minutes later, he comes in. And he drops the biggest dictionary. I didn't even know we had one like that at church. Big fat. Di- we used to sit on those. Anybody grow up like that? That was how you got up to the table sometimes. So it was a dictionary like this fat. And he like, bam. He goes, you're right. Are you happy? Well, I didn't know it was a dictionary at first. And I didn't know what he was doing. And I kind of was already moved on. And I'm like, uh, I'm happy. But why are you asking? You know? And then he's like, it is plethora. I'm like, oh my gosh. So what had he done right there? He checked a source of authority that we would agree on. Do you see how that works? Because the dictionary's got pronunciations. Now, there are words that are pronounced different. And some of them are cultural and some of them are regional. Pecan. Pecan. Who says pecan? Who really does say that? Really? Okay, well, I respect you for that. Because this man knows how to cook. I mean... It's all right. Tomato, nobody says tomato, right? I mean, for real, that's just the thing. People, okay. Potato, potato, nobody says potato, but, but I know where I grew up. Okay, because I grew up right by Mexico, we have a lot of Spanish names of cities, a lot. And so you can always kind of know when someone's not from around by the way they pronounce things because they would just pronounce them wrong. So there's a place, really beautiful beach area called La Jolla, but in Spanish, that's J-O-L-L-A. And so, you know, if you're talking to somebody and they're like, I'm trying to find La Jala, you just, all right, it's over there, you know. 
But here's a weird one. Uh, in LA, in the Los Angeles area, there's a, a city right by Long Beach, and it's actually, uh, it's actually S-A-N, which would be San, right? And it's P-E-D-R-O. So how would you pronounce that? Because you're not from there. You would say Pedro, because you would think it's a Mexican word. We're going to say it Mexican, or Spanish, I guess Spanish. Sorry, I grew up, okay. <laughs> Sorry. There's this, I had this student once who was from Peru, and at one time, she would speak so fast, and, and in English, and then sometimes I couldn't understand her, because her accent was so thick, and I'd say, tell me in Spanish, diga me en español. So she'd tell me in Spanish, and one time my student said, oh, Pastor Dennis, you speak Spanish? And she turned around, no, he speaks Mexican, because it's not the same, evidently. So, but if you're from L.A., the, the Los Angeles area, you know that that town is called San Pedro. Why? I don't know. It just is. So you just go along with it, right? Well, the same thing is true. If Jesus said it, then he said it, and he meant what he said. Now, we can go back and say, hey, the Bible doesn't say it that way, but here's the problem. A lot of people, they don't trust the, the, the source of authority. Like, you can drop it in front of them, and they're like, so? Or they don't know. They don't even know what it says, he said. But it matters. It really, really matters. These are things, we're going to be talking about a few of these in the next couple of weeks, that your eternal destiny hangs on these things. So I was in this conversation, and the person, I could tell they were having issues with God, and I'm like, what is the issue here? Now, I'm giving you a summary. It's, it, it was way longer than this, so... Number one, if it sounds like I was short with them, I wasn't. And number two, it takes a long time to talk to people. You've got to care enough about them to be in this. And it may be this little conversation and this one and this one and this one. So as we're talking, they said, God is not fair. So that right away, I'm like, "Mm." yeah, you do that. Anybody remember records? Okay. Sorry, most of the kids have no idea what I'm talking about. God is not fair to create people who he knows will not believe and then send them to hell. I thought, this is going to take a long time because there's so much wrong with that statement. So much wrong. So I just ask, where did you get that from? Like, why do you think, where did he say that? Then, Then they said this. Yeah, it's like he says, believe in me or go to hell. You think that's funny? I'm just kidding. It is kind of, well, believe in me or go to hell. He did not say that. Okay, so, does that sound like the God you serve? There's been a lot of times I've been talking to somebody and I'm like, well, they're like, I don't believe in God. Well, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. And then once they describe him, I'm like, well, I don't believe in that God either. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not Jesus. As I was hearing them, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not how it is. And right away as we were talking, I thought, man, this, it always goes back to the garden. I know I keep saying that in church from the pulpit, and maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. So today I thought, I need to show you what I'm talking about really clearly. What, what happens is when that person said that, they are literally attacking God's character and his goodness. They, it's not just doubt. They think God is unfair and that he's not good. And as I was hearing that, you, you've had your character attacked, right? 
You've had somebody say something, or maybe something happened at work, or they said you said this, or did this, or called you a name, or whatever it was, or accused you of, of whatever. And you know how deep that cuts, because you're like, that's not me. Do you not know me? This is not who I am. It hurts to, be, to have people say things about you that are not true. It's not who you are. But here's the problem with that. Is God good? Mm. Is he good? Anytime somebody assaults God's goodness, whether it's in a song. Have you noticed some songs do that? They do. They're literally questioning God's character and his goodness. There was that one, it's a heck of a long time ago. But it says, um, what, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us or whatever? And then they say, no, he's far away. I'm like, no, he's not. Do you, you don't know him. That's not who he is. Different philosophies, slogans, bumper stickers, statements people make. Anytime that happens, I want to challenge you to do this. Please step back, if not physically, mentally, and say, why are they doing that? Why are they attacking God's character? The God I know who is a God of love. The God I know who is a God of justice, of fairness. Anything he does is right. You got to step back. You've got to realize it comes from a place of hurt. Everything in me wanted to say, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. But that doesn't help. I wanted to, like, see this? You're wrong. That doesn't help. Something has happened. Something somewhere has violated their sense of justice for them to say this this way. What is it? What is going on in their heart and mind Something went wrong according to the way they think the world should work. But that's not news to you. You know the world is broken too. The difference is why or how it's broken. They feel like it's broken a different way. You know it's broken. The world is broken. You see it all over the place. How do you know? Because people steal. They hurt each other. They hurt you. They say mean things. They talk bad about you. They violate your trust. They abandon you. They steal. They, they abuse there's war. Babies die before their mamas. Babies, people die too soon. Um, I, it's on my mind, so I'm going to mention it. But James Segrist, who some of you may know, but he passed away this week. It's too soon. Just saw him Sunday. Talked to him Sunday. It just, it's kind of like that record again. It's just like, what, how can that be? Because the world is broken. It's broken. You may not know James, but you know people in this church who are family and love him. Rose Ellen Huff, it's her brother, and Vanessa Holloway's uncle, Julia Newton's uncle. The service, by the way, it'll be at Newcomers, Nolan Road. The visitation, two to three, the, the service from three to four. The world is broken. The world is broken. You've got to ask yourself, what did God actually say? I don't like being misquoted. There's times people have said, you said this, and I'm, in my mind, well, I've said it out loud. There's no way on earth I would ever say that. Those words would never come out of my mouth that way because it's not in my heart to be that way. You're wrong. But I've been misinterpreted. I've had people say, well, it felt like you said. Like, I didn't say that, though. You've, you've completely misinterpreted what I meant and what I said. Now, you know how that feels because it's happened to all of us. 
right? Whether it was a silly argument with a brother or sister or a friend or even a teacher or or a loved one or a spouse, you've all had that happen. Imagine what it's like for God then when people completely misquote him and say this is who he is or what he thinks or how he is. It's wrong. So what did God actually say? So let's take a look real quick. Genesis chapter two, the Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of every tree or the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this, you're sure to die. I, I wrote in my notes over and over how peopley we are. You know what I mean by peopley? You know when people just do things and you're like, man, people. They're peopley. We are. Why do we focus on the one thing he said not to do? Do you see how positive that statement was? You can freely eat of how much? Everything. Everything. Except one thing. But here's where it gets crazy. Why not the one thing? Are you that kind of person? I know how, I know how we are. Like, wait, not that one thing. Right? Why? If you know God's good, then you know he has a good reason. Do you see how this works? He has a reason that's good. And his reasons are always to protect and provide for you. That's how God's rules are. He's like a good, a good parent. A good parent. This might be more of a dad thing, but fill the tank when it's at quarter tank. You guys, do your parents, dads tell you that? Why do they do that? Because they want you not to have fun? Because they want you not to see how far your car can go? No, because they want it to go and not be stranded. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons. Listen to your mama. Are speed limits good? No, really. Are they? I don't know who makes them up, but they are good. I've questioned them from time to time. How about guardrails? You see a guardrail, there's a reason it's there. There is a reason. And the reasons sometimes are really heavy. I, I know this is crazy, but, I, you know, growing up, I knew a lot, of, a lot of Iowa patrolmen in our church. They're there a lot of times because someone died there. There's a guardrail for a reason. God gives us guardrails in our lives for good reasons. <laughs> Fences make good neighbors, right? Keeps the wrong things out and the good things in. There are reasons for these things. These limitations are for good. And believe me, I'm that guy that wants to push them. Did you hear about the guy this last week in the, at the uh, uh, Grand Canyon? They said he fell 10 stories and lived. 10 stories and lived. If you do the math, that's like 100 feet. 10 stories and lived. Why? How does that happen? Right? How does it happen? He says, I was trying to get a good picture, so I was just trying to get close, and then other people wanted to get the same picture, and they, he claims they pushed him off the edge. That's not funny. Do you understand why guardrails are there? Can you imagine falling a hundred feet into the Grand Canyon and living? Oh, my goodness sakes. Do you know there's governors on a car? 
It only will go so fast? How many know that? <laughs> Who are my people here? <laughs> Some of you will be like, what is that? There's a reason. There's a reason. Most of our cars aren't meant to go, you know, to, to have the RPMs go past that. It's meant, it's not safe. I mean, you know this stuff. There's curfews, right? Why? There's a certain time where there's nothing good happening in the world. I remember my parents saying that and thinking, yeah, but that's not for me, right? It's different for me. Sorry, I'm going to make this serious. I wasn't going to, but it, I have to. I had one of my students at, at Sheffield, his, his brother passed away. Good kid. And when I heard about it, I heard he got shot at a party. And I'm like, how could that happen? And the story was he was going to pick up a friend who called. And, and um, it, it occurred to me right then, if you're never at the wrong place, it's never the wrong time. Do you ever think about that? Wrong place, wrong time. But if you're not at the wrong place, what is that? Those are God's rules meant to protect you. To, to protect you. It's a good God trying to protect you. It's a good God who wants to provide for you. The question is, do you trust that he's good? Because if you know he's good, then when he gives a rule and you don't understand it, you can step back and say, he must have a good reason because you trust him. Why don't you look for the reason? He's got a good reason. You can trust because of what he's done, what he's said, what he's made. It's good and it's good for a reason. I always want to know the why before what. I do want to know. But you know there's a why, so find out the why. If you, if you struggle with the what, find out why the what is there. Is that confusing? I love Dr. Seuss. When the what is there, you're going to know there's a why, so find out what it is. Before you question the what, know that there's a why because he's good. Your mom says to do something and you say why. What does she say? What is she really saying? Trust me. Seriously, wait, look, we've all had moms, right? And I had moms say stuff that, what? This, if she listens to this, hopefully she'll laugh. She would tell me, I'd say, can I go do something? She'd be like, you've had too much fun this week. <laughs> and that's the one that still kills me. But you know what? I kind of get it now. I kind of get it. Because I wasn't mature enough to know when I was going to be tired or sick or worn out. or She did see that, right? But still, I remember in high school being like, what? Can you have too much fun? You've had too much fun. I still can see her face. She was sincere as a heart attack. You know why? She's telling me, trust me. Trust me. I love you so much. I have your best interest in mind at every point. Now, I know, I know moms are, none of us are perfect. I get that. But do you see what I'm saying? She's saying, trust me. Everything I've told you in the past has been for your good. Everything in the future will be for your good. And how much more with God? Because he's good all the time. All the time. I'm telling you, when I was talking to this person inside, my, I was crying. Because I could tell that they no longer trusted that God was good. And I thought, how do I help them see his goodness when they're already so far into not trusting him? The enemy twists God's words and his actions all the time. And if we're honest, sadly, he'll use Christians sometimes when we mess up or we're hypocrites or we've done this or the church wasn't perfect. If you look at the garden again, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. 
One day he asked the woman, did God really say? You must not eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. He knew that's not what God said. He was planting the seeds of doubt. He was twisting the words of God and he was getting her to doubt. God said you can freely eat of everything. Eve answers and says, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the tree from, uh, fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. What's interesting there, even Eve added something. God didn't say that touch part. Not that you would touch it, but... Then the enemy says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The enemy directly contradicts God. But more importantly, what he did was he reinterpreted and he got her to doubt God's intentions. How many times have your good intentions been misread? How many times? And it hurts your feelings because you had good intentions and the person misread it or misunderstood or intentionally. And everything in you is infuriated because you were good and they interpreted it as bad. That's what he did. And he continues to, it's so crazy. He keeps doing the same stupid stuff. We keep following for it. (laughs) I'm not saying he's not clever, because he is. And I don't like calling him by name, because I just want to insult him by not recognizing him. I just want to, he's evil. What did John 10, what did Jesus say in John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come to give them life and my life to the fullest. God's intentions for you are good. The enemy's intentions are to destroy you. It's it's crazy to think about this. He intentionally did this. And where was Adam? This is not a male-female thing. Don't Don't get confused. Please don't even think that. Where was he? Clearly he was there. And God gave him the instructions originally. But it says here, the woman was convinced. He saw the tree was beautiful. She saw the tree was beautiful and it looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. The enemy told her it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Shame enters the world. Their relationship is damaged. They gave in to their sinful nature. You know what they did? As a call back to last week, they followed their hearts. Do you see what they did? They followed their hearts. Their hearts were to be like God, make the rules. It looked good. I want it, and I want it now. So going back to what the person I was having the conversation with said, God's not fair to create people he knows will not believe in, in, in them and send them to hell. Believe in me or go to hell. That's not the problem. Do you see how that's not the problem? The problem isn't believing in God. It's not, now, believing in God is a problem, right? But that's not the problem. That's not the main problem. The problem is this. The issue through the whole Bible is not believing. It's important, but it's not the big problem. 
In fact, believing, even the enemy believes. The serpent believed. Do you get that? I mean, James said it this way. You say you have faith where you believe there's just one God. Good for you. I like putting my own intonation into what they write. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. I had a theology professor once say, the devil's got perfect theology. That's not the issue. The issue is sin following your heart. Therefore, it's not about people believing God. It's, it's not that unbelief, it's sin. It's the, fault that, it's the fact that our heart follows after sin. A little more Dr. Seuss for you. It's, it's that we want what we want when we want and how we want from who we want whenever we want, no matter what. Did you catch that? Because that's all of us. You think about the parable of the two sons we talked about a few weeks ago. It's not about God's stuff. It's the fact they didn't want God. It's not his things. It's they want it without him. James says this about our hearts too. And remember that when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. For God has never been tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. We all sin. It's our sin that has separated us from God. We pushed him away and it's a really big deal. It's not about belief, it's about sin. Belief matters, of course. Our world today thinks you can just redefine sin and sin's not a problem. You've heard this saying, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. Maybe you never heard that, but we went to the fair yesterday, so I saw a lot of pigs. And I envisioned them with lipstick. And it's just. You can dress it up all day long, but it's still sin. You can call it different names, it's still sin. It still violates the relationship between you and God. You can call it whatever you want and make it as pretty as possible, but it's still sin. And sin is ugly and selfish and hurtful and sad and destructive to your soul. It takes more than it, pro- than it promises. It's like a parasite. You, you who know me, you know I'm a science geek. And I was watching these clips the other day of bugs. I know some of you already are like, the guy's weird. You know these, these bugs that plant parasites, their, their offspring's like a parasite and it literally takes over and makes the, animal, the bug a zombie? Literally eats its brain? I was watching that and thought, that's sin. It's sin. And people's brains just don't work anymore because they're in sin. It's small, it starts small, and it grows into a beast that you can never satisfy. If I could have our musicians up here, our musician. Here's what I tried to explain to the person that day. It's not about the belief. It's about the sin. And God provides a way for you to be free from all of that, all of it. The way he did it in the garden. Now here, walk with me on this. This is hard for some people, especially modern people to accept. You may not think of it this way. They were ashamed because they were naked and they covered themselves with leaves. And then what God did is made animal skins for them. It's the first sacrifice because sin has to be paid for. You have to pay for it. You, You know that's true in your own relationships. Somebody says they're sorry and you can tell they don't mean it. But when they're sorry and they make up for it somehow, it hits different. You know that's a principle that works with everything in life. 
it's real. That's why God had the sacrificial system that people would see and experience the severity of sin. (laughs) We don't talk about sin a lot because it's awkward, right? Who wants to talk about it, right? No one wants to admit it. But Jesus became that sacrifice. And as we're doing communion, we celebrate the fact that he was the sacrifice that pays for your sin once and for all time. Now the world wants to celebrate sin. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the sacrifice. In the book of John, the, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but was raised to life in the spirit. God doesn't create people and punish them for not believing. He created people for true relationship. And in true freedom and relationship, you choose to love or not. And when we choose not to love, that's sin. And it separates us from God. But he doesn't leave it there. He makes it, even though we broke the relationship, he comes to repair it. Just like in a human relationship. You enter the relationship freely, and if you do something wrong, you tell you're sorry. God, I don't want this between us. You know how it is. You know how it is, whether it's just a friend or your spouse, and something's between you, and it's not right, and it doesn't settle And either you fix it or you walk away from each other. Right? You fail. You do. You lie. You're rude. You're impatient. You're selfish. You're mean. But you only ask forgiveness if you realize you've committed those sins. You've done those wrongs, right? If you don't think you did anything wrong, you don't ask. Humans, we just don't want to acknowledge our sin. But we sin, right? I'm going to ask you to do something really weird. I want you to say this out loud. I sin. Wow, I was going to do it together, but all right. Can we do that one more time in case you didn't get to? I sin. It's gross, right? It's gross. It's an ugly thing about us. I want to think I'm better than that, but I'm not. I want to think that that's for everybody else, but it's not. We all know it. We have a sin problem, not a belief problem. It's a sin problem. Belief is an issue, but that's not it. It's sin. Sin is what separates us from God. And it's our sin that ultimately would be punished, it's not as if God says, believe in me or go to hell. What he says is, I love you. I created you for relationship. Your sin has interrupted the relationship. And he doesn't leave it there. But I've provided a way to restore the relationship. So what he says to each and every one is, do you want relationship with me? But for us to have a good relationship, you have to trust that he's good. So ultimately it comes down to this. Do you think he's good I'm going to ask everybody to shut your eyes God solved the problem like this Jesus said it for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would have eternal life. I'll be honest with you. Some of us have a sin problem in the room today. Wait a minute. We all have a sin problem. Some of you fixed that already with God and maybe we need to do it every day. Some of us has never fixed it and today can be your day. So I'm going to ask a simple question. If what you've heard today rings true and you realize I need to fix the sin problem today, I will, we will all pray with you to fix that. So I'm just curious, anybody in the room, you want to fix that today? Say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want that relationship you offer. If what that guy up there saying is true, I want that. Anybody at all, if you raise your hand. I see those hands. I see that hand. I appreciate that hand and that honesty. Anybody else? I need that today. I see that hand too. Anyone else? I want to pray with everybody. I know it seems like every week somebody says, oh, I don't think you saw this person. Here's the beauty of this. Me seeing it isn't the issue. It's God. God himself. And as we pray together, those of you who raise their hands, you say this with your whole heart. God is good. And he's good all the time. And he's ready and waiting to welcome. You know what the scripture also says? That when we come to him like this, that all of heaven rejoices. Oh, I got chills right now to think about that. Because it's going to be, heaven's going to be rejoicing in just a second because we're going to pray that prayer. And those people who raise their hands are going to be part of this body of Christ Christians and the heaven is rejoicing. I can't even imagine that. Like they would even care. But they do. They rejoice. So let's pray together. If you would just repeat with me this prayer. God, Father in heaven, thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice. I need that today. Forgive my sin. Make me new. Thank you. I want to, for your, I want everybody to keep your eyes closed for one more minute. We are de- dealing with a world that likes to misinterpret and I think intentionally often misunderstand what God says and what he's about. It's up to us. It's not easy. It's, it's actually really hard sometimes, especially if you know the person or care about them or maybe you don't know what to say. I just, I want to pray with you as you leave this place today for you to understand that you are God, Christ's ambassadors to a hurting world that desperately needs to know the truth. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you as you do this, but I also want to always have opportunity for people to pray. You know, those of you who raise your hand, we'd love to talk to you more. There's no coercion in that. You don't have to, but we'd love to pray with you. So those of you who are helping us pray, if you would come forward real quick, and we'll end the service like this. We're just going to spend as much time with you as you want to pray. And I want to pray for everybody. If you need prayer for anything, maybe healing, maybe it's something that you're just really struggling with, maybe depression, maybe you just want someone to help you because you've struggled with your idea about God. You just want someone to pray with you. That's what we're here for. But let me pray for everybody. And if you need prayer for any of those things, please come forward right now and we will pray with you. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus 
that you would help each and every one in this room, everybody watching online. God, that as you use us with our friends and our relatives, and maybe people we don't even know, but you give us opportunity to talk to them and to maybe correct some misunderstandings or maybe help them see how good you are. I ask God in the name of Jesus that you would just give us the words to say. And as we walk into these opportunities that you would make it just speak through us. We just want to be at the right time, at the right place, and say the right things as you give us those words to say. And I pray that you would use us in every one of those encounters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. If you're here in this room and you would like to pray with any of these, they will be here. As you head out, I just ask that you would just greet everybody in the love of Jesus. Maybe meet some people you haven't met before. God bless you today.